Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wounded Blue Hour here on the America Out Loud Network. I am your host, Randy Sutton, a retired police lieutenant, the founder of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, and the author of A Cop's Life and the soon-to-be-released Rescuing 911: The Fight for America's Safety. This show is devoted to the uh, emotional, the physical, and the spiritual well-being of the American law enforcement community. It's a big topic, and it's a it's a rough topic to talk about at times. So um, strap in. We've got a great guest waiting for us in the uh, waiting room. But first your weekly reality check. And during your weekly reality check, we commemorate the sacrifice of the men and women of the American law enforcement community who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. We call it end of watch. Since our last show, this group of law enforcement officers have given their lives in the line of duty. Sergeant Christopher D. Fitzgerald, Temple University Police Department, Pennsylvania. Police officer Chris Fitzgerald was shot and killed while struggling with a suspect near 1700 West Montgomery Street in Philadelphia at about 7.30 p.m. Officer Fitzgerald was patrolling the area when he saw three masked individuals in dark clothing standing in an area where several robberies had recently occurred. As he exited his patrol car to speak to them, all three fled on foot. He pursued one of the subjects and began to struggle with him in the, in the 1700 block. The man produced a handgun and shot Officer Fitzgerald multiple times. The subject then attempted to steal Officer Fitzgerald's duty weapon, his belongings, and patrol car before carjacking a citizen several blocks away. Officer Fitzgerald was transported to Temple University Hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The man who shot him was arrested at his home in Bucks County. Early the next morning, he was charged with murder of a law enforcement officer. Officer Fitzgerald served with the Temple Police Department for just 16 months, had previously served with the Philadelphia County Sheriff's Department for two and a half years. He was posthumously promoted to the rank of sergeant. He is survived by his wife and four children. His father served with the Philadelphia Police Department and currently serves as a police chief. Sergeant Christopher D. Fitzgerald, Temple University Police Department, Pennsylvania, end of watch, Saturday, February 18, 2023. Detention Officer Kenneth Fowler, Pontotoc County Sheriff's Office, Oklahoma. Detention Officer Kenneth Fowler succumbed to injuries sustained in January 31st when he slipped on ice in the parking lot of the Pontotoc County Justice Center. The area was experiencing an ice storm when he fell. He was transported to a hospital in Oklahoma City, suffering from head injuries and hypothermia. He remained in a medically induced coma until succumbing to his injuries on February 19th. Officer Fowler served with the Pontotoc County Sheriff's Office for five years. He is survived by his wife, daughter, mother, brother, sister, and two grandchildren. Detention Officer Kenneth Fowler, Pontotoc County Sheriff's Office, Oklahoma, end of watch Sunday, February 19th, 2023. Correctional Officer Jay Miller, Washington State Department of Corrections, Washington. Correctional Officer Jay Miller died from complications 
as a result of contracting COVID-19 while assigned to the Washington Corrections Center for Women in Gig Harbor. Officer Miller was a United States Army veteran, has served the Washington State Department of Corrections for 31 years. He's survived by his three sons. Correctional Officer Jay Miller, Washington State Department of Corrections, Washington. End of watch, Saturday, February 11th, 2023. Police Officer Andre Vasquez Lasso, Chicago Police Department, Illinois. Police Officer Andre Vasquez Lasso was shot and killed while responding to a domestic incident at 4.45 p.m. South Spalding Avenue. Officers were responding to a call about a man chasing a woman down the street with a gun. One group of officers went to the residence while the other officers located the subject on foot. They were able to engage with the subject, but he fled from the officers. Shots were exchanged as Officer Vasquez Lasso pursued the subject and both were wounded. Officer Vasquez Lasso was transported to Mount Sinai Hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The subject was taken to the hospital in critical condition. Officer Vasquez Lasso had served with the Chicago police for five years and assigned to the 8th District. He is survived by his wife and daughter. Police Officer Andre Vasquez Lasso, Chicago Police Department, Illinois. End of watch, Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving and protecting their community. Now, since January 1st, um, we are only two months into the, into the month. There have been 49 law enforcement officers shot in the line of duty. 49 law enforcement officers. Some were killed. Uh, the others were severely injured. Some um, more critically than others. That doesn't count any of the other assaults on law enforcement officers. That doesn't count those who were stabbed, those who were beaten, those who were hit by cars intentionally. Those are just the gunshots. You can tell by this incredibly stark statistic that being a police officer in America is a dangerous, dangerous proposition. So on this show, we talk about uh, the health welfare of our officers. And the Wounded Blue, of course, is the national assistance and support organization for these officers who have been injured in the line of duty. If you're in law enforcement or you know an officer who is struggling, maybe they've been injured physically, maybe psychologically, uh, point them in our direction. Go to thewoundedblue.org. And if you support your law enforcement, Go to that website, thewoundedblue.org, hit that donate button, and give what you can. These men and women are sacrificing so much. They need your assistance. So as you know, on this show, um, all of the guests that we bring on have some correlation to the either the, the emotional, the physical, the mental, the spiritual well-being of our cops. And today is no exception. I'm going to um, I'm going to read her bio because it, you know normally I take the bio and I kind of encapsulate it a little bit. But there's in order to get to know her and and uh, understand uh, why she is on this show and the incredible work that she's doing, I'm going to just read the whole thing to you. 
Dr. Patricia K. Reyna, EDD, by the way, I was learned today that's a doctorate of education, received her doctorate in education, organizational leadership from Grand Canyon University, her MA in Trompreneurship from Western Carolina University, and an MA in Christian Studies with an emphasis in Christian Leadership from Grand Canyon University. Her research interests include catastrophically injured law enforcement officers in the United States, including those with traumatic brain injury, among law enforcement officers, firefighters, and other first responders. In the United States, first responder suicide and suicide prevention mediators, including HOPE. Kay's research interests also focus on interventions for caregivers providing care for persons with traumatic brain injury. And that will become very apparent why shortly. She has a special interest in caregivers providing care for injured law enforcement officers, an unserved population of caregivers in the United States, and on caregiver hope. Kay has professional experience through nonprofits focusing on injured law enforcement officers, firefighters, and veterans, and their caregivers. Uh, she is also um, an ordained minister, certified health care life coach, and a certified spiritual Christian counselor. Additionally, she serves as a content, content expert for doctoral learners and is an adjunct professor. Pro let me try that again. Professor. Her background includes a wide variety of education, nonprofit, health care, caregiving, and ministry experience. She is the caregiver of her husband, who sustained a traumatic brain injury in the line of duty as a North Carolina Highway Patrol Master Trooper in 2009. Welcome to the show, Kay Reyna, Doctor of Education. Kay, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Randy, for having me, and thank you for what you do and for what the Wounded Blue does for our injured. Well, you know, you're doing incredible work. Um, for the, for the listening and the viewing audience, whether you are seeing this on America Out Loud or listening to this on iHeartRadio or any of the platforms that we're on, Kay and I um, met several years ago uh, through her work and through the work of the Wounded Blue. And um, one of the things that is so incredibly powerful about, about Kay's work is her personal reality. And that is living the life of a wife and a caregiver of her husband, Umberto, who was severely injured in the line of duty. She's going to tell you all about that. But Kay, thanks so much for joining me today. And we got a whole lot to talk about. And uh, so let's, let's get a little bit. I want the audience to get to know you a little bit. If you would talk about your background. And, you know, although I read all those all, all about your background, um, Coming from you, it has a different impact. So let's talk about that and why you have taken on this really, really important but very, very difficult series of studies uh, concerning traumatic brain injury. Absolutely, Randy. So prior to my husband being injured in 2009, I actually was in accounting. I did finance. Can you imagine? But after my husband was injured, I realized there were no services in the country for our injured law enforcement officers, nothing for them to rebuild, and no way for caregivers to get supports. And that surprised me. I was under the impression that if a law enforcement officer was injured in the line of duty, 
they would get the care that they needed. Everything would be good. And I quickly discovered that's not the case. So I pivoted a bit um, because I wanted to do something to help our injured law enforcement officers, their families, and ultimately a lot of times their family members are their caregivers, so for their caregivers. And so I did go back to school, obtained two masters and my doctorate in order to be able to do research in this area because what I also discovered, not only were no, there are no services, because at the time, Randy, you weren't here with the Wounded Blue, so thank you for being <laughs> here now. <laughs> That's great that you're here now. You weren't here with the Wounded Blue, Randy, and when I called around and around for years and years, nobody was out there supporting our injured law enforcement officers. There was a lot of support out there if they... Um, <coughs> gave the ultimate sacrifice as there should be. And thank you so much for what you do and reading those names and keeping that at the forefront of what's going on to let people know what's going on in the country with those that are given the ultimate sacrifice and those that are injured. But we also know that these injured law enforcement officers are having a lot of issues because of the lack of supports. So in order to try to do something about that, is why I obtained my doctorate degree. All right, so, you know, obtaining a doctorate degree isn't as simple as, hey, I'm going to go out and get a doctorate degree, right? <laughs> so you, you, were, you were in, uh, in an in a, a accounting job, and suddenly right. you, you realized the significance of this issue once your husband was severely injured. But this is a huge undertaking. Let's talk about how you, how you um, accomplish this. And, and at the same time, you're taking care of your husband. Absolutely. You're right. I was in the office. I worked as a finance um, treasurer for a middle school in North Carolina. When I got the call that my husband was injured, and I didn't mention what happened to him, but let me just briefly say he was investigating a collision on the interstate in North Carolina, and he was rear-ended at 75 miles an hour, and he sustained a severe traumatic brain injury and has required 24-7 care since then. So there I was, a finance secretary, and I had actually just started back into school because my husband and I are high school sweethearts, and I had actually put him through school first, and then when our oldest son went to college, I promised myself I would go back, and I had just started back that July and he was injured in November. So it took me about two and a half years. I had to take two and a half years off because Umberto was not well at all. And I had to take some time off. I finally said at about two and a half years in that if I didn't do it then I would never do it. And so I finished my BA in 13 months by being in two different colleges at the same time and transferring everything in. And then I went on to get two master's degrees and then my doctorate. No, it's not easy. But I considered it therapy, and as you can tell, I need a lot of therapy because this is not <laughs> this is not easy, Randy. And yeah, for uh, sure. no, it takes a lot of time and effort, and um, you got to have the reason why you're doing this. And I kept that at the forefront. And I'm telling you, every single day, I pray God help me do something. Help me to persevere through this. Help me to do something to help our injured law enforcement officers. Help me to help their caregivers. Help me to help their families. So, yes, it's taken me 13 and a half years to get to this point, And I finally feel 
Randy, I finally feel like at this point in time, I can actually do something to help our injured and those that care for them. All right, we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I, I want I want the audience to understand because it, one of the things that, you know, as the founder of the Wounded Blue, which deals with injured officers across the nation, one of the issues that, that we have is um, trying to trying to get a point across to the people of America. And that is that we all have an expectation that if you get injured in the line of duty, if you get shot, if you get stabbed, if you fall down a flight of stairs, you get hit by a car, that your city government, that your state government, that your leadership is going to do everything in their power to make your life at least livable financially, uh, medically. Um, however, that's not the case in, in uh, I'm not going to say a majority, but in a whole lot of cases, it is not the reality that we face. And you found that out in a very, very stark way, did you not? Yes, I did. Explain, explain, me, ex explain, yeah, yeah explain this, what happened with your husband and, and the, the nuances that um, have, have come forward since that injury so many years ago. Right. So he was injured two days before Thanksgiving. And I really thought he was going to get the help he needed. Um, he was thrown into the workers' compensation system. Maybe what people don't know is there's different, uh, depending on what department you're at, depends on what you get thrown into. He was thrown into the workers' compensation system, which I personally, this is my personal opinion, I don't believe they're fully there to help the injured. I believe they're there to save money and make sure the injured get the least amount of services possible. And so after three days, he was thrown out of the hospital. He did not get any services when he went home and he was not in good shape. It was uh, really difficult. It took me an entire year of fighting workers' compensation and I had two attorneys. Somebody, everybody says, oh, you need to get attorneys. I had two attorneys. Finally, the second attorney helped me and I was able to get him back into a brain hand injury rehab center at 13 months out. So mind you, he did not get the rehabilitation services that he needed. It actually ripped his right arm, his right arm shoulder, ripped it off pretty much and muscle and ligament. And they just said that, I mean, they didn't take that serious. He was in terrible pain and suffering, but because of the brain injury he had a very flat effect, which means he's, he's not necessarily able to tell you what's wrong. And he just, um, it's very difficult for them to be able to verbally say what's going on, but I could tell he was in a lot of pain. It took them six months to put his arm back together. And if you can imagine living with that kind of pain for six months, on top of that, he, he came home, was sitting in the dark. You couldn't touch him. He didn't know how to turn the light switch on. It was just unbelievable. And they told me that he would spontaneously recover. This is workers' compensation within six weeks. And that the reason he wasn't talking to me any longer is because he didn't want to talk to me any longer. Like at that point, we'd been married 20 years. I'm thinking this is something terrible going on here. But nevertheless, I fought for his care. And at 13 months, we got him back into a brain injury specialist. He was there about 15 days inpatient. They did a lot of testing on him and they determined he would need care for the rest of his life. And they said, you know, he, he needed all these services and he needed, you know, care and supervision for the rest of his life. Okay. So um, I was told that his services would be set up. 
So I go home. I've spent every single minute with this man since he was injured. I slept in the chair beside him then in the hospital. I go home and I think everything's okay. I get a phone call from workers' compensation and they tell me that uh, they're not going to provide services for him. They're not taking care of him for the rest of his life. And they advise me to leave him home alone, go back to work myself. Now, this is somebody who cannot take care of himself. And I said, I, I can't do that. But that was absolutely devastating to me to think we were finally going to get his services set up and they're not going to provide them. So I did write the governor of North Carolina. I've never been able to see the governor of North Carolina. I was told that was we were dealing with a very uh, sensitive uh, situation here and that they could not meet with me. And also, you know, the colonel never met with us. You know, he got nothing for retirement. They didn't shake his hand and say thank you. Zero. When I did write the governor, I was called into the State Highway Patrol office and I thought, okay, now I'm going to get some help. Everything's going to be okay. And they sit me down and the first words out of their mouth was, you married your husband for better or for worse. And we're not going to give him the care the doctors have ordered. I don't know what he'll get, but it won't be the care the doctors have ordered. And I sat there and I just stared at them and I said, wait a minute. He was injured in the line of duty, protecting the citizens of North Carolina, working for you, and I'm here. But you have a responsibility. He has to be taken care of. So it was, um, you talk about <clears throat> devastation, because it's bad enough, Randy, that we have these catastrophic injuries out there. But what these departments are doing to their injured compounds what's going on with them and the families to such an extent. I cannot tell you how stressful and how heartbreaking and how discouraging and talk about hope, the loss of hope it is when you all of a sudden you're no longer a part of the family. And I said, what happened to the Highway Patrol family? And one <laughs> of the uh, troopers said to me, there really isn't one. And I yeah, remember yeah. I said, whenever he <clears throat> became a trooper, when they had the families in, they welcomed us to the Highway Patrol family. I'm like, what happened to it? They said, there really isn't one. So talk about a heads up. And my thing is this, if they're not gonna take care of their injured, they need to tell them when they sign up that if you get catastrophically injured, you're gonna go through this, A, B, C. You better have everything in line because you'll no longer be getting the respect or even the care that you need. And your family is going to be plunged into a nightmare. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you came onto the show, Kay. And I'm sure that the people who are watching this and listening to this are having the same uh, kind of reaction that, that, that we had when we first understood that this was our new reality. They're shaking their heads going, wait a minute, how is that even possible? And the disappointment, the, the feeling of having the, literally, the rug pulled out from under you by the same people who your husband served with the day before he was injured was willing to give his life for, in a, in a situation where danger was present, turn their backs on him, completely abandon him, completely abandon you, and then basically say, Get over it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that make you feel? How did that make your soul feel when when this happened? 
Well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I wish you were around then. I could have got some mental health care. <laughs> because there is no mental health care for families either. I could tell you this. When I was on the phone with, when workers' compensation <clears throat> called me after 13 months, and he was finally in uh, the hospital again, and they said, okay, we're going to put all these services in the place. And then they called and said, we're not taking care of him. He's not getting the services the doctors have ordered. That was the most devastating day of my life. I think I... I went into some type of shock. I literally, Randy, I was shaking all over. I had to, I went and got in the bed and I wrapped up in a blanket and I laid there and I was shaking uncontrollably. I would say that's been the worst day of my life so far. Realizing that no hope was coming. And we had to, I had to figure out, keep in mind, he's not able to advocate for himself. I had to figure out how we were going to go forward on this. And that's not you know, the only thing, we had a lot of issues with our home that year. All of a sudden, everything that could possibly happen at our house happened. We had a floor that fell in in our daughter's room. I mean, it was crazy. All of these terrible issues. And, the, and they would not even confirm that he was injured in the line of duty. We could get no services from anyone else who wanted to help us. I worked at a middle school, and the uh, lady that took the school pictures had applied for a, I won't say the name out loud, but a um, phone service that was in the um, vicinity. They had community grants and they agreed to come in and help fix our house. But the highway patrol told them we did not need it. And therefore we couldn't get it. Unbelievable. So, they Wait, said, well, so before we go mm -hmm. on, we have to take a quick break because yep. uh, this is a time period during the show where we have to take a quick break. So mm -hmm. hold that thought. We'll be right back. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. 
America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. I want to tell you all about a incredible product for the safety of law enforcement officers. You know, every everything uh, that we do on this show is about law enforcement safety, about the health and welfare uh, of, of our cops. So uh, there is a, a an amazing safety product that I want to tell you about. It's called OfficerPrivacy.com. Now, what is OfficerPrivacy.com? It is a, uh, a service that was created by a police officer who understood that the, the public safety aspects of people who shouldn't have your information, getting your information and being able to dox you, being able to harass you if you're a law enforcement officer. And we all know that this is part of the new reality for law enforcement, that there are people out there that will take it upon themselves to do everything they can to harm you, including going onto the internet, identifying where you live, going to your house, spray painting your cars or, or, or defacing your property, even, even targeting you and your family, if you're a law enforcement officer, for harm. So we all know as law enforcement, we need to target Harden, right? Well, that's what officerprivacy.com does. The entire staff is made up of, of uh, current and former law enforcement. So it's only cops helping cops. And they can actually go onto the Internet, and I'm a, I am a very happy and satisfied uh, recipient of these services. They, it's, uh, it shocked me how easy it was to find me, find my home on the Internet from, from public records. So they go on and they actually scrub all of the stuff that, that can lead people to you and your home and your and and where your your cars etc and they they remove it from the internet vitally important stuff i ask you go to officerprivacy.com it's not expensive and you owe it to yourself you owe it to your family go to officerprivacy.com Pete james is the the owner and the creator he's become a huge supporter of the wounded blue and uh i i implore you you want to do it for yourself, you want to do it for your family, you want to do it for your loved ones, go to officerprivacy.com. Now, um, let's bring back Kay. Kay. Yes. All right. You know, most people will have a very difficult time grasping the knowledge that you just gave us. And I can't, you know, uh, your your description of the, the personal discouragement I'm, and they, even that's not that's not a, a word that's even appropriate because it's just not powerful enough but um, your your description is really heartrending now now this is this is 10 years later they still haven't even acknowledged his injury have they no we're 13 and a half years out and no they don't communicate with us nobody talks to him. It's like we got blackballed because he didn't make it back. And, um, you know, that and they also, you know, I don't know, Randy, what they would do today. If you call today and say, I'm trying to help this couple, uh, this this law enforcement, this state trooper. Can you verify he was injured? I don't know what they tell you today, because all I know is when anybody ever tried to help us after the injury, they would not verify he was injured. They even told them we didn't need the help. And then 
this company said, well, we're going to do Christmas this year. And they said, no, we'll do Christmas. And let me just say, Randy, Christmas never showed up. And that's okay. Um, no, it's no, it's just, really, it's really not okay. <laughs> it's really not okay. And, and, and the more you tell me, even though I've heard this story before, Kay, the more it pisses me off. As, as just as a human being, not even as, as a police advocate, it still angers me at the, at the, the way that they have treated you and continue to treat you and continue to treat your husband, who is a hero, who gave and sacrificed so much of his life for the people of North Carolina. So um, you're a very generous woman to say it's okay, but it sure as hell isn't. It's been hard, Randy. You know, the thing about it, too, is my husband loves the North Carolina State Highway Patrol. If he could be out there today, he would do it. He loves it. He would do anything to serve the citizens of North Carolina. He loved his job. And I just wish he'd been able to go back because he loved it. So, you know, the hard thing is a lot of these are injured, catastrophically injured. They absolutely loved their jobs. And after they're catastrophically injured, and they discover that these organizations are not going to support them. It is that adds to the injury by adding. I mean, I cannot tell you what he feels. All I know, he says to me, they threw me in the ditch. They don't care about me. I'm alone. And he's cried and cried over it. You know, if these organizations could get their stuff together and actually honor their injured, they may not be able to change the injury or the outcome of the injury. They could change the outcome of the injury by approving their care, but they couldn't change the accident. If they could get in there and say, hey, we appreciate you, we thank you. I just wonder in my heart, I've asked myself, could they heal his heart? Could healing his heart over being thrown out of the organization the way he was thrown out, could that help him have a better life? It must be very difficult for these officers who have sacrificed so much and he has lost so much, his independence. He doesn't even remember how he used to be. And he has to have someone body with him 24 seven. So can you imagine how they feel when this happens to them? Unfortunately, I can because I've seen this, the same scenario happen over and over again across America, which of course is why the wounded blue exists to provide support and do what we can for families like yours and for officers like your husband. And for the audience who's watching, I ask you to go to our website, thewoundedblue.org. See who we are, see what we do, give what you can to help families just like Kay and Umberto's. Um, you know, and, and before we go on, there's a whole lot more we, we gotta go on, but I wanna talk about an incredible company that has come to the assistance of both you and the university that you work for uh, in Oregon and the brain research that you're doing that we're going to talk about shortly. Because you and I um, uh, got together just very, very recently with uh, the, the owners of OneNationCoffee.com. OneNationCoffee.com. I'm going to actually put up their one of their coffees because... Uh, I've been drinking this since I met these amazing people. This is a veteran-owned uh, company that is as patriotic as patriotic could be. They believe in helping law enforcement officers. They believe in helping veterans. And so 
they have they have formed a partnership with the Wounded Blue and the university research program that you work with and yourself to donate proceeds, partial proceeds of of online sales to our organizations. And so I was I was fortunate enough to go, go down to South Carolina to meet you and your husband and and uh your your partner from the university, Melissa, who is who is an absolute brainiac when it comes down to um, to research and to, and to helping traumatic brain injury victims, and we all got together, and I got to tell you, it was it was life changing moments to see not just how how you are so dedicated, the university uh, in Oregon is so dedicated to to helping traumatic brain injuries, but people like John and his team uh, Neil down in, uh, in, in South Carolina with uh, one, one nation coffee.com. They've got, I and I love the names of, of some of, this is the Arsenal pack. How can you not like that, right? Tastes like freedom. And the coffee is amazing. They know exactly what they're doing. I got a complete education on coffee and I love their coffee. Now, if you're a, if you're a coffee drinker, you can do two things, you knock off two birds with one stone, so to speak. You can get yourself some amazing coffee and help officers like Kay's husband, Umberto, and other police officers across the country who have, been, who have been injured in the line of duty and have faced traumatic brain injury. And, and you know what? I believe that when great patriots and companies like OneNationCoffee.com uh, get together with organizations like yours and mine, we can move mountains. You know, we can, we can change the world, literally one cup of coffee at a time. So, um, you know, our working together with your university and, and helping your research means the world to, to myself as well as the, the Wounded Blue. So for my listeners and, and those who are watching this, uh, go to OneNationCoffee.com. Load up on coffee and also support these amazing organizations. All right. Okay. I want to talk more now. Let's get into, you did this 13 years of dedicated education. You dedicated your life to learning about traumatic brain injury because of the very personal, um, you know, what you witnessed um, being a caregiver for Umberto. How does now you? This is a very, very specific and not a mainstream topic that you have learned, right? So, how right. did you get involved in this research? And then tell me about what, the the partnership, or you know, now that you're working for um, the university in Oregon, talk about that and what this project is. So, Randy, I discovered there was no research in this country, in the United States of America, on our injured law enforcement officers, whether they have traumatic brain injury or any other injury. So I decided to actually do something about that. And I also discovered there was nothing in the research on caregivers of injured law enforcement officers. Also, there's no research on caregivers of firefighters in the United States with traumatic brain injury. So. In order to do this research, you have to do a lot of literature review. You do a lot of, um, you know, 
work on on that end to finally discover what is your literature gap so you know we have a significant gap in our research for our law enforcement officers in the process of obtaining my degree i was introduced to we're actually assigned randomly assigned to a doctoral chair so you have a committee when you're a doctoral student that will help you get through the process to graduate and melissa mccart who is the director of center on brain injury research and training was randomly assigned to be my chair now i don't believe randy there was anything random about it i believe that was a god setup because god knows we need to do something for our injured law enforcement officers so what's the likelihood of getting randomly assigned to somebody who at, is at a center who can do this very thing so melissa is a great blessing and help toward this goal so at the present time i am employed by center on brain injury research and training there was no funding in the country to do this research and so my family actually donated the money to start the research so that we could begin and this is where one nation coffee comes in umberto has rebuilt a life after injury through adaptive sports and i met michelle john's husband at a, an adaptive golf event. Yeah, you mean you mean John's you mean John's wife, right? I mean John's wife. <laughs> no, now I realize so that we're in we're yes. living in an entirely different time, and Michelle. it's plausible yes. that Michelle could be her, his husband. But. Sorry about that. No, John's wife Michelle. I'll tell you, this is the most beautiful family. Such a beautiful family. Such a big heart. And when I met Michelle, you know, I I reached out to her after the golf tournament via Facebook and said, hey, would you be interested in having a conversation about our injured law enforcement officers in the country? And so she and I had a couple of conversations and then she brought John in, her husband in, John, um, from One Nation Coffee. So, and that's how we ended up in this partnership because they listened when I said, we need help. We need help raising funds to do this research. I believe that research will actually lay the foundation in order for there to be more supports for all of our injured officers across the country. I could not agree more that, you know, um, I'm not a big believer in coincidences. Uh, I believe that we are, we are led to a path. We are, we are given the opportunities by a higher power that when they, when they, when we need to have them, uh, I'm a perfect example yeah. of that myself. So I completely understand and having had the great good fortune to get together with you, you and Melissa and John and Michelle and, and the, the team down there in South Carolina, Neil and Isaac, um, it, was, it was soul quenching for me um, that uh, it, it actually felt like my soul was being given nutrition by the energy that I felt from, from John and their family down there and, and One Nation's Coffee, uh, along with what you're doing and, and Melissa's efforts. Uh, Melissa is one of the truly, one of the smartest people I think I've ever talked to. Um, and I mean, if it, was, it was just something that gave me hope that, you know, this, this topic this absolutely vital topic um, would get some of the attention that it truly deserves, uh, and and maybe we could maybe we could create a path down the road 
where people like your husband and you as a caregiver would be given a lot more opportunity to, uh, to heal and to grow and to live a life that, um, um, that is a little easier than, than the cards that, that were dealt to you. So um, let's talk more about this research and what, what, you're going to, what you're going to accomplish with it. Okay, absolutely. So the first research that I conducted was looking at an online intervention to determine whether or not we could increase knowledge about caring for someone with traumatic brain injury, self-efficacy, which means feeling that you can provide the care adequate, adequately for somebody with a brain injury, and hope. Because hope has a mediating effect. It means hope actually changes things. Hope actually thwarts mediates suicidal ideation. Hope thwarts or mediates caregiver burden. And we know that caregiver burden is extremely high among caregivers that are providing care for persons with traumatic brain injury. And when you look at veterans who have the VA, and so they have, I'm not saying they have everything they need, but they have the VA in central locations. We, as the law enforcement officer community, we do not have that. So I was trying to look at a way, how can we reach law enforcement officers and those that care for them that are spread out across the United States? So we looked at an online intervention and discovered that we can, the results show that we can increase knowledge about caring for someone with a traumatic brain injury. We can increase their self-efficacy and we can increase their hope. Now, the participants in my first study were veterans, included caregivers of veterans, law enforcement officers, and firefighters with traumatic brain injury. For the overall group, we were right on the cusp of increasing hope with statistical significance in the research. So they have a level that it has to be in order to say it's statistically significant. However, when I pulled out the law enforcement caregiver group, it was statistically significant. And this is really important to know. So further research needs to be in this area with specifically the group of law enforcement officers and their caregivers to determine how we can increase their hope. Why is this important, Randy? Well, we know there is research out there that says, that shows that persons with traumatic brain injury have a higher suicidal ideation. And not only that, there is research that shows this higher suicidal ideation crosses over into their caregivers and their families. That gives me chills sitting here talking about it. If we already know there's research out there that says someone with a traumatic brain injury has higher suicidal ideation, and Randy, you know, you and I know that right now <clears throat> there's a first responder suicide healthcare crisis in this country, but we do not know what the prevalence of TBI is among the first responder population, law enforcement, firefighters, EMS. We do not have the prevalence data for how much, how, what is the prevalence of TBI concussion among the first responder population? So that will be part of the research, determining some prevalence data. Also, I would like to look at the data on our law enforcement officers and other first responders who have died in the line of duty by suicide. Let's look at that data. Let's find out, did they have a traumatic brain injury prior to their line of duty death? Were they 
able to get the care that they needed. We need these answers. The other thing is there is no research on what is actually happening. What is their lived experience? Okay, so there's a lot of research out there on veterans lived experience. It's qualitative research that actually they quote what these veterans are saying happens to them. There is zero in the in the United States on law enforcement officers. They have research in other countries, but nothing in the United States. We need to put this in the research. Our catastrophically injured law enforcement officers, they deserve to be in the research so that we can actually determine what do they need? What supports do they need? When we look at their caregivers, what were the barriers to care for the person they're caring for? I know what some of the barriers are. You simply just can't get the care, but they, we need the research that actually documents in a with empirical data that will support what our caregivers, what our uh, catastrophically injured law enforcement officers need in order to then go, hey, we need legislation, we need funding, we need these supports in order to have those foundations put in place so that we can get funding. Because as I said, Randy, there is no funding in the country uh, to do this research. And, you know, my family donated to Siebert in honor of Umberto's sacrifice to begin this research. Well, that's an incredible sacrifice that your family has made <clears throat> as well as, as you. Um, what you're what you're pointing out is something that um, is is critical information. You know, as law enforcement, you know, professional for decades that I am, uh, all cops know this. They, especially after they've been hurt, they they understand it. They understand that this is reality that they face. Most of the time, unless you have experienced it yourself. Or one of your one of your partners has been, you know, severely injured in the line of duty. You don't even know that this is gonna that this is has a possibility of happening to you. But that being said, even though there's a, you know, you know, guys like me know that this exists. Having the ability to prove it is an entirely different thing, and that's right. why it is so critical that the research that you're doing and and Melissa is doing. Um, become fully funded, and you're given the assets that are needed in order to carry on and and really create an environment where um, the, these critical issues are being addressed. So, you know, you're you're a groundbreaker in this. You're and and the fact that that somehow you were put into this incredibly connective tissue, if you will, with uh, with the university in Oregon and Melissa um, can can only be seen as something that it was meant to be, as far as I'm concerned. You know, Absolutely. Uh, hearing your story, seeing Umberto, and seeing um, you know how he has suffered. Uh, you know, this is this is an idea whose time has come. So. Uh, for those of you who are watching this and listening to this, um, you know, go go to onenation.com, onenationcoffee.com, buy coffee, give to give to to, to this research, uh, go to thewoundedblue.org, give to our organization, but don't just listen to this and say, man, that's that's sad. This is a call to action. This is a call to get involved, 
And this is something that, that um, you know, we fight complacency all the time within, within the police world, as you know all too well, Kay, that, that, and sometimes it's because I really believe that cops don't want to believe that this can happen to them. Yeah. Let me just say, Randy, for some reason, Randy, I knew every single day he walked out of the house and, and was uh, on duty, I knew he could get killed in the line of duty. Randy, I do not know why I never considered he could be catastrophically injured and require care for the rest of his life and then not get it. That did never cross my mind, never cross my mind. I think what you're saying is so true too. If our officers that are working right now today and their families could realize that these supports and interventions need to be put into place we hope to God it doesn't happen to them. But we know, Randy, from the very beginning of your show, how many officers died recently in the line of duty. There are going to be more people, more catastrophically injured. It's just a matter of time. And we need to go ahead and put these interventions in place and these supports and get this research done. We can't keep waiting for the powers to be to do it. We have to, and we have the power collectively to make a huge difference. You're 100% right. Now, let me, let me, um, let me ask you this. Um, for the listeners and viewers of this show, how can they learn more about your research and about the project that you're working on right now? So the website is cbirt.org, cbirt.org. That's cbirt.org. You can go to the website. You can reach me through the website. I have an email on there. I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants to talk to me about this research, that wants to support this research, that needs help through this research. Anything that I can do, I'd be glad to help. And uh, let me explain to, uh, to our viewers and to our listeners that uh, she doesn't idly say that, that, she, that, that Kay is perfectly... Um, uh, she knows what she's getting into when she makes that offer. And out of, out of her commitment to people who have experienced this same type of trauma, she puts that out there. So take advantage of it. If you are an, uh, someone who has experienced this type of trauma, uh, in fact, Kay, you may be even looking for people for case studies. Is that correct? We will. I cannot recruit until after I have IRB approval. I'm working on the IRB documents right now, Randy. So as soon as I get that ready, I can get back with you and we can put a call out there. But I am working on the paperwork as we speak to get this research out and going. Uh, currently, the research that I've already completed is in the process of being submitted for um, a academic journal for publication, so that will be out there. This will be the first research in the United States that includes caregivers of injured law enforcement officers with traumatic brain injury. And I hope this is the first of many groundbreaking research studies because we need to make a difference. Randy, these guys, these ladies, these gentlemen, these police officers gave everything and we can do better and take care of them. I believe if they lived, they deserve to have the best life that they can have, even if they require help to do so. You're 100% right, and you know you'll get the help from us. Well, we've run out of time, Kay. Thank you for being on this, um, this 
episode of the Wounded Blue Hour. Your your mission is incredible. Um, your story is heartfelt, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today uh, here on the America Out Loud Network. Thank you, Randy. Let's see what we can do. Absolutely. So, uh, once again, if you're if uh, if you if you're a coffee drinker, even if you're not, you know somebody who is a coffee drinker, right? Um, go to this amazing coffee company, OneNationCoffee.com. <clears throat> Get some beans. I like to chop them up myself. Make my fresh brewed coffee. There's nothing like the smell of fresh brewed coffee in the morning. Go to OneNationCoffee.com. Support them because they support law enforcement and they support veterans. Go to thewoundedblue.org so you know about us and you know about who we are. Go to thewoundedblue.org. If you are a law enforcement officer, we're, we're having our uh, third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit here in Las Vegas in September. The, this is life-saving training. Go to thewoundedblue.org. Sign up for the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. Check it out. Tell your department about it. And uh, remember, the Wounded Blue, our motto is never forgotten, never alone. Go to thewoundedblue.org. I'm Randy Sutton. I'm your host. And thanks for joining me again here today on the America Out Loud Network. <laughs>